Hey everyone, it's Miranda here. So as I was working on this episode, I kind of noticed, and I don't even know how it happened, our other two episodes got mixed up. So for some reason, the actual recording for the Autism and Olives episodes never actually got put up. It actually ended up being the Vanessa Guillen episode, which I still don't even understand how that happened because those were published a week apart. So I'm not sure if it was a mess up with the Anchor app itself or maybe I accidentally deleted it or whatnot. So just to let you all know, those two episodes are fixed. So if you clicked on the Autism and Olives episode, but obviously that's not what you got, and then you went to click the Vanessa again and realized it was the same episode, it is fixed. So I just wanted to put that up out there and I hope you all enjoy this week's episode. Bye! Hi everyone, my name is Miranda. And my name is Adrian. And, and today we are <laughs> And welcome back to the Conflicting Cousins podcast. <laughs> Forgot that part. <laughs> uh, hello everybody. I'm just really excited cuz it's 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 a fun topic to talk about. Um we're going to be talking a little bit about like Jehovah's Witnesses and what they believe and how we kind of grew up, our differences and our similarities. Um we have a lot of similarities um, in how our parents raised us. Organization, organization, religion, whatever you want to call it. But um, we definitely had some different viewpoints and perspectives in our teenage or adolescence. So, yes. So just to put out there. So if you are new to our podcast, um, If you look into the very first episode that basically talked about our goals, me and Adrian explained that I was raised as a Chova's witness, born and raised into it. Adrian's um, became a Chova's witness for a few years. In our individual episodes, we kind of briefly talked about that. But we also had stated that from time to time, we will talk about how life was like as a Chova's witness, how it's like having our newfound freedom from not being it. So that's just a quick little um, backstory of why this is even a topic for us. Yeah. It's a quick little backstory. There's it's a, I think even to this day, there are some aspects where it still impacts our lives. Um, Certain things that we were conditioned to believe or feel will come up and you kind of like, ah, wait a minute. So we have to stop ourselves sometimes. Um, so we guess we need to start with the basis of the organization itself. Yes. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses, like, like there's a quick, like roundup, I guess, or it, they believe that God's name is Jehovah. It's in the Bible or Yahweh English version is Jehovah. Um, Jesus is the Messiah. Um, they want to model Jesus's life as closely as possible, being a good person. But he's not God's son. Oh, he is God's son, but he's not God. So the Trinity is not taught um, in the Kingdom Hall or the, in the Jehovah's Witness organization. And I can't remember the scripture right off the bat. I don't have anything in front of me. But they believe in preaching God's kingdom, the coming of God's some of the stuff. And that's why they go door to door or they send you letters now, but because of COVID. COVID. But that's yeah. why they would go door and have pamphlets at the flea market. And I got to tell you guys about that one later. Mm-hmm. 
So, oh, and no one's going to heaven but the chosen 144,000. Yep, and they don't believe in hell. No, they're not going to hell, which I'm quite okay with. Like, that's not a... (laughs) never really been a concern of mine. Yeah, I mean, it was nice to not have to worry about burning in hell instead, just dying at Armageddon and never seeing your family again. (laughs) It's a different shift in fear. I'm going to be dead. No one knows about it. I think my favorite one that, because my stepdad did, you know, my stepdad, and they always like kind of like in a roundabout way, let my dad know that when Armageddon comes, my mom gets a new husband. And he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay. Didn't bother him a bit. I don't think my mom ever wanted to be married again anyway. But things like that. Um, mm-hmm. It was very interesting. Um, I, before my mom started studying, typical American kid went to school, celebrated birthdays, Christmas, Halloween, 4th of July, Easter. Um, when my mom started studying, it was a cold turkey. I remember our first Halloween where we didn't celebrate and the neighbors knew we celebrated. We went all out. Like there are no lights on. We're in the kitchen ignoring the knocks on the door people knew who we were and were not answering the door it was the weirdest thing i do remember that but and stopping the birthday parties and yeah was it it was it was just was it kind of hard like for you or did it not really bother you too much um it wasn't hard for me in the sense, like, um, not having, I'm not a very big crowd person anyway. So going out and being amongst the crowd of like Halloween craziness wasn't a big deal to me. It was starting to like ostracize myself from people. Like they're a bad association. You don't hang out with them, those things. But I was all in once I was doing the Bible studies, you know, the, my book of Bible studies mm-hmm. um, with um, the Baker family. You know, the, um, Melissa and Michelle Baker. Mm-hmm. Throwing the names out there, folks. But um, so I was all in. Like, I was totally looking forward to, like, having my own pet tiger. Oh. oh and for some of you guys that don't know, the kingdom is a, a literal place that's going to happen on Earth. And, like, all the animals will be they kind of domesticated and will have domain over the animals. And I wanted a pet tiger. Yeah. So they would um, depict... Because they called it paradise. So in our publications and like especially my book of Bible stories, and I even think the book of Revelation also depicted like a paradise picture. Um, or even when we go for like assemblies and conventions, which we'll talk about that in a minute, they have, you know, big paintings and it's of paradise. And basically what it shows is it shows families and kids like like Adrian said, was a tiger or monkeys or bears or parrots, like everything. And as a child, you're like, ooh, I want to do that. Because, I mean, you only see those animals like in a zoo or in the wild or on TV. But you're, you know that those aren't animals that you can just like go up to and pet. And like they depict that in their publications as like children just like hugging them or petting them. And it's... That's where, like, I feel like 
um, youth gets drawn in by that. Because oh, yeah. I always, I always thought total, about that too. It's total indoctrination of like, look at all these great things. But there's, there's this weird twist to it as well in the manipulation uh, in behavior with kids. I, I do remember wanting to go out with a bunch of brothers and sisters. They weren't, I was baptized and so was another sister. But all the other youth, you know, in our congregation didn't quite make the commitment yet. And they all went to Dollywood one day and I so badly wanted to go. And it was just like that bad association, Adrian. What would Jehovah think? That was like one of the worst like teenage days of my life. It was really, really hard. Like all the kids I'm allowed to hang out with are going out. But since there was no parents, we couldn't, I would, not that I couldn't go. It would be a wrong decision for me to make. Are you serious? Serious. That makes no, see, so another thing um, for those of you that don't, I know anything about shows, witnesses, experiences vary. Um, some congregations are more strict. Some are more lenient. Some are very two-faced. Some aren't that bad. Um, I have very positive, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately. Fortunately, I had very positive experience. It's just, it wasn't for me. And there's things that they teach that I didn't agree with. And overall, like, I'm like, this just isn't for me. I'm personally not the religious type. But that's kind of crazy because... For me, that would have been me. I wasn't out of my group of friends. I was like the only one that wasn't baptized. And I couldn't imagine them like being guilted, being like, well, you have a choice and you can make this choice, but basically guilting you that this one choice isn't the smartest if you go hang out with her or go to the mall or something. That's kind of crazy that you had to deal with that. It was was really... Well, I didn't hang out with my friends from school. I was literally in Tennessee, the only Jehovah's Witness at that school. All the other kids were homeschooled. Yeah. And, um, so I had that working against me at school. And that was, kids would pick on me. They'd want to like to start debates. And I'm like, I'm at school. I don't have time for this. So I would kind of be, I'd be left alone for the most part at school. And so like I had these people at the Kingdom Hall accepting me and all my glorious weirdness and then brothers and sisters will be like you know they're you know they're not pioneers they're not studying they're not going out in service do you really do you think you should really be hanging out with them I'm like who am I gonna hang out with so I probably ended up going out in service I never me and the other sister went out in service yeah because we got stuck with the old man and his wife that could they shouldn't be driving he ran over a dog and kept going the dog was already dead. Don't worry. So <laughs> he did. He ran over the already dead dog, and something that never happened. Oops. Yeah, we went out in service. Knock knock. Did you like going out in service? I hated it. Okay, so did I. I liked. I liked hanging out with people. I didn't, I like the brothers and sisters and I enjoyed getting out of the house because in Tennessee, we lived in the middle of nowhere. Um, but I didn't like talking 
I still have a hard time talking and I don't, it's like in front of people. I'm, I'm dreading the day my principal asks me to do a demonstration because I don't think I could do it. Um, but I can teach in front of a, a class of eighth graders, no problem. That's not a big deal. Like other people my age. But yeah, I hated it. Yeah, so did I. I, I never really liked it. I never liked, I said this in my episode, because like I said before, I was born into it. So I never had the normal childhood. I always heard kids um, getting to watch Saturday cartoons, but of course I never got to watch those. I had to go and get dressed up, which I was also like a tomboy growing up. So I hated wearing dresses Um, and we'd have to go. And I hated knocking on doors and having to talk. And for those that also don't know, Jehovah's Witnesses. So basically, once you can start talking, they teach you like simple things. So you got, they had tracks, which is a little single page pamphlet folded up. And then they have watchtowers and awakes, which are just little mini magazines. And so for children, they usually give them the tract. And with the tract, they, you know, will tell them, you know, you just say something like, hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. And this tract is about um, how God is going to make an everlasting paradise. Would you like to read it? That's it's that simple. But that starts basically when you can start forming full sentences. And I remember being a little kid having to go door to door and doing that. And like, it was so annoying. I feel like it was always men that answered the door. There was never really a lot of women. It was always men. And like to me, being a little kid and seeing this big dude, and sometimes they're nice, and then sometimes they're not. I've had my door slammed. I've had the door slammed in my face so many times. I had um, a few times. I remember as a child, and I was at the door with my stepdad, someone like threatening to kill me like kill us or whatever as a child um people threatened to release their dogs on us and honestly at the end of the day as I got older I just was like why can't people just because I feel like everyone knows who chose witnesses are especially in our area like I was in the city so we were always going to the same territories (laughs) I would just get Mm -hmm. so upset because I want to be like why can't people just not answer the door or when they do say no I'm not interested but instead they want to be rude and slam the door threaten or answer the door naked (laughs) I haven't gotten the naked part Uh, this one was was about to and then I think he had realized that I was there, like, next to the person I was with, and the naked man in front of a child probably wouldn't go over well, (laughs) or they do, but they're covering, you know, their privates up, but it's still, it's very awkward, and you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Why do you people do this? (laughs) I think I had one in Tennessee, and I can't remember the sister's name. But I loved her. She was she had red hair, and um, 
she was a busty woman. I kind of sympathize with her now. And um, since she was older, I don't think anyone said anything about what she wore. But we were walking up to this house. And this is in Tennessee. Um, it's like, it was like a shack. Mm-hmm. And this dude comes out. And he has a rifle in his hand. And, I'm, you know, it's not a strange thing for people to have guns in their hands. So I'm, kind of, I'm not very leery just yet. And then he goes, yeah, get out of here. And we just have a good day, sir. And turned right back around. We get the message. I think that was like the scariest one for me no i feel like i feel like in florida just witnesses are just so persistent because we would be standing there and they would knock like do three knocks i'm like all right all right well no no one's answering then they'd ring the doorbell and i'm thinking like why especially as i got older yeah. i'm like why are we be why are we doing this like either they're not home or they do not want to come to the door but now you're basically going to annoy the fuck out of them and piss them off to where they open the door or you wake them up. Just leave the people yeah. be. I remember they might have Go ahead. I think like, they might have a night job. I remember a woman with a sign on her door that says, Please do not knock, my child is sleeping, and so am I. And I, you know, kinda had to nudge this brother. It was here in Florida, they are persistent. They're resting. Let's leave them alone. Mm-hmm. Like, just leave something, but just leave them alone. And I had to get persistent about it. But yeah, I remember leave people alone. it was fifth grade. And as I got older, I always feared running into a classmate while I was out in field service because at school, so, like I said, if you didn't listen to my episode, I basically lived what's, what the witnesses call a doubled life. And I, be, I feel like I lived that for, like, basically my whole entire life because I always knew going to school I was different and I was weird because of what I had to do. So, like, I would have to get sent to the library if there were a birthday party or a holiday party. I remember being scolded per, for participating in a school show, which I didn't realize was part of like Thanksgiving, but it was. And I was yelled at on the way home. I was spanked and then I was grounded. And I was in second grade, I think it was. I remember I got in a lot of trouble and I got spanked for eating a cupcake from a classmate's birthday party and I think I was in first grade or maybe second grade when that happened um but I was in field service and I'm at the door with two I don't know if one of them was my mom and another sister or whatnot but I heard my name called while they're talking at the door and I turn around and it's this guy that I went, that was in my class. <laughs> he recognized me. Wow. And he saw me. And he thought that the lady next to uh, me was our fifth grade teacher, Miss Paini. Because he was like, is that Miss Paini with you? And I'm just like, no. And I'm like, you know, doing the be quiet, like cut the conversation. And I was just so embarrassed because no one has ever seen me in a dress at school or anything like that. And he saw me and it was just so embarrassing. But luckily, like, 
that's really the only time I feel like I ever ran into that I can remember or that I ever was aware of um, someone from school. I do know that we would go to certain neighborhoods and I'd be a little bit on edge because I'm like, great. I know like this is a bus stop for school. So I'm like, I'm sure I'm going to run into someone, but I don't know. I, I in Tennessee, I never had that problem only because I mainly stayed in town. I didn't go to too many rural, rural areas. And if I did, it wasn't into Cosby where I lived. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't see anyone that I would usually know. Thank goodness. But I will tell you the perks of going out in service in Tennessee, I think was um, a lot of those people were converted from like being Baptist or Protestant, mainly Baptist in that area. Um, so they had that, like that Baptist hospitality that welcome everybody, love everybody, no matter what. Um, um, so it was nice that they had that welcoming feeling, but even when we went out in service, there are some people that enjoyed having conversations. I got homemade apple butter. I got homemade jams, you know, mm-hmm. pickled beans and you know, all that good food in, in mason jars because these people, that's what they do up there. Um, but I, even with the shunning, which I'm kind of like diverting from going out in real service, in Tennessee, they were human. Almost, I don't want to say the shunning aspect is like when you're just fellowshipped or you decided you've done some kind of wrong and the elders get to decide, a group of men get to decide what is right and wrong in your congregation. You're shunned. Like no one's allowed to talk to you or communicate with you, not even your family members, unless you're a minor. And then it's a little weird. Um, so there's a sister that was disfellowshipped and coming back with her husband and she had an infant with her. And I think what I noticed, there was a lot more hospitality and welcoming. Like she's coming back, she's doing what she can and she's having a hard time with a baby. So I remember um, one of the elders wives come back, go back where she was sitting and said, I'm going to here to help you and took the baby back into the back room where you can't really hear the baby, you know, being a baby. So I would say Tennessee was more hospitable. And I think we still had some of that Southern charm. The Baptist was still there. And um, I I will say there was a better experience in Tennessee than here in Florida when I moved back. If I had stayed in Tennessee, I might have been a witness much longer. My questioning might have gotten me in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Or being a bad house. I stuck at that. Like now that I think about it and I think about certain people that were in the congregation, I kind of wonder if, because so me and Adrian um, are in a ex chosen witness support group and stuff. And so we see a lot of like stories on there and, you know, some people, the experience that they've had, like I can't imagine. And, um, you know, if you also don't know what's going on with the witnesses, they're in the news um, for basically covering up child abuse or child sexual abuse and basically protecting um, sexual predators because of what they believe and that basically God handles everything. Um, I don't know if we'll go into that more this episode or maybe another one, but seeing it was in that group Basically, I learned that, so they have acronyms. And so there's PIMO, which is physically in, but mentally out. So it's someone still going to the meetings just to go, 
but their mind is done with it. And then there's uh, physically out, mentally out, physically so homo. Out. So, you know, they're completely out, which is what me and Adrian are. And then there's mm, <laughs> Meepo, um, mentally in, physically, physically out. out. Um, and then there's PMEs, which yeah. is physically in, mentally in. But seeing in that group, you know, there are some people that are physically in but mentally out. And it makes me wonder about certain people that I, um, that were in my congregation that kind of went with the motions or just the fact of, I feel like some people, they, they, they just, they were comfortable in it. And like it worked for them based off of their, like how they used to live before they found the religion. And so they just stay. And I say that because like when I joined the army um, or when I told that I joined the army, um, one of the elders, well, two of the elders kind of talked to me, both elders that talked to me, one, I can't remember. And I don't, I want to say he had a very bad drug problem before he became a Chova's witness. He was like a rebel guy and whatnot. But I looked up to him a lot. He was one of the elders that I really liked just because like he understood that compared to all the other teenagers in the Keenum Hall that I was different and I was rough around the edges and I liked, you know, more worldly things. But I also came from a divorced family and my dad wasn't a witness so I also got to taste what it was kind of like celebrating holidays here and there or when I would go to Adrian's house you know when they weren't witnesses anymore you know my aunt would spoil me and Adrian would take me to parties and stuff like that oh yeah that was in my um early 20s phase yeah my my rebellious phase before I went back yeah but they so he, when they found out I joined the army, he kind of just like talked to me or whatever. And that was it. Um, the other elder, he, he talked to me as well. And he actually used to be in the army before he became a show's witness. And here's the thing. When my mom knew that I, when I finally told her that I joined the army and that was, you know, shipping off, my mom tried everything under the sun to ruined my contract. She tried to disclose medical information, which I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal because I just had to get waivers, if anything, if it was like that detrimental, you know, then I could have gotten a waiver for it or anything like that. Um, She went to my recruiting station and talked to my recruiter. It was crazy. She was trying everything. She would guilt trip me. You know, she was crying all the time. That's that's really hard because like, I don't like making my mom cry and I don't like her, you know, saying like, you know, you'll die in Armageddon or, or just the horrible stuff about the army, you know, and trying to scare me that way. But this brother is John Batias. That was his name. He basically like asked me he's like, like, why'd you join? Or, you know, it was very like real. It wasn't like forced. And then um, I told them, and normally, shows witnesses, they're going to guilt trip you like my mother did, 
or scare you or just anything under the sun to get you to go in the direction they want. But he just... What would Jehovah think about this? He just said... Yeah, he just basically said, like, he had some really good times in the army. And he was like, it's good and bad. And he's like, he showed me his tattoo. He had a... Well, now I'm wondering, maybe he was a Marine. Maybe he was a Marine Corps tattoo. I can't remember. It was old and faded. He's an old guy. And... I remember sitting there listening to it and then I'm thinking, is this reverse psychology? Because like, what is this? You're telling me you enjoyed your military time, but it wasn't always perfect and whatnot. Like you're, my mother's telling me this is horrible. (laughs) I'm going to die or I'm going to get raped or murdered and, or I'm going to have to kill people because I'm getting sent to war and all this stuff. And you're telling me you had some of the best times of your life in it. What is this? So now that I think about it, it makes me wonder if some people, they were just happy and content and they don't necessarily regret their life before. It's just for them personally, they may, I don't know, be comfortable and they don't mind it now. Oh yeah. Um, Also like if you're, raised in it strictly like some of the people that we've known like born and raised parents grandparents like fifth generation you know kind of like in this and they they do have a tendency to shelter these kids and there's nothing else like like my story of growing up like my parents started studying I was baptized at 12 kind of left when I was 18 I kind of faded out did my own thing got my job my apartment the whole nine yards and that's when I took Miranda partying and then I got married and I was pregnant with Dakota and like, I never really came to terms with like my whole belief system. So my thought was I can't let my kids die in Armageddon. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I started studying again. And that's when DJ started studying. Um, but I think you don't know anything. And when, you, when you're sheltered like that and you have that bubble around you, it's really hard to leave that. All your friends, everyone you know, who you work with, it's, it's hard to let that go. And even that, um, that reinforcement of the end of the world's coming and you're going to die with it if you don't do this. And you've told that all your life. And it's reinforced three, four times a week. And then you go out in service and then you have your own personal study and your family Bible study and theocratic ministry school. It's it's drilled into your head. So it's kind of hard just to leave something like that. See, I feel like um, for me, it wasn't hard to leave just because of, I've seriously felt like I had better friends outside in school than I did with witnesses because like, I don't know if I said this story in my first episode or not, Yeah, but like, you know, I was really best friends with this one girl and then all these other girls started becoming friends and whatnot. They were like wealthier witnesses, but I'm the only one that's not girly, you know? So everyone else likes, you know, pink and likes to go shopping and Hollister. And I like hot topic and I like rock music, but I did like country music. And like, I really liked um, Kenny Chesney and me and my one friend, we would listen to Kenny Chesney and whatnot. And then like later on, I had found out that, he came to town and I really wanted to go to the concert 
but I don't know why I didn't really bring it up or anything or it did, but nothing like ever happened. Cause I think I realized like tickets were super expensive, but I ended up finding out and it's been my dream to like ride in a Hummer stretch limo or a Hummer limo in Florida had like these souped up like hot pink monster truck wheel type ones. I really always wanted to ride in one. I found out that they all went to the Kenny Chesney concert and her mom got them that limo. And I was confused because when I had found out, I was like, why wasn't I invited? He's like, oh, we didn't think you liked Kenny Chesney. I could think of like, now I think about it's like, bitch, are you fucking kidding me? I'm the one that brought the CD over. You started listening to him after me. And it was like that point on, I was like, all right, whatever. Like, I'd rather just make really good friends at school. And sadly, I only get to talk to them, you know, at school or try to like sneak text messages to them and whatnot. But I was, and that happened when I was a teenager. So it was just super easy for me to leave because I never. I don't like sitting for hours and for people that also don't know anything about shows witnesses. So like other churches, they have like Bible school or like youth group where kids would go, but they get to be kids or teenagers and they go hang out with their friends while the adults go to like the main church part. A sermon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, shows witnesses. You all go in this building and you sit there for two hours. Children sit there for two hours I would get pinched I would get bumped if I was falling asleep or drawing because I wasn't paying attention and then on top of that you have these things called conventions and assembly which are vary from one to three days and it's eight hours a day that you sit there and you just listen to these people talk and it's the most boringest thing in my fucking life. And I hated it so much. The highlight of conventions and assemblies was I would get a Lunchable. That was my favorite thing to eat. But my mom was a big health food fanatic growing up. And so that was like my treat. I would get a Lunchable for sitting still for eight hours of the day. Oh, those things are hard. Oh my goodness. Um, I remember going when I was a kid and I was okay. Like I could draw and walk around or something. Like I gotta pee a hundred times, like you said, like you just going to the restroom a lot. Yeah. Um, as an adult and I had Dakota with me, Isaac never went. I had Dakota with me. And even as a teenager when I went to the Plant City Assembly Hall, it was hard to sit still. Um, and with the boys, I would go on my own because DJ ne- would never ever take a day off from work for anything. Um, so I would go with the boys on my own and it was hard taking, oh, because you have to pack everything for eight hours. Yeah. The one in Gainesville, we only had our assemblies in Gainesville at the UF basketball court arena thing. Mm-hmm. Had to park 15 miles away. I'm exaggerating, but it was, it was a walk uphill. And you learn to bring flip-flops and your nice shoes to sit in. Yeah. But yeah. And they are boring. And everyone looked forward to the drama of the 
five minutes of people acting some biblical scene out on that one day. Yeah, that was the only good thing. That and lunchtime. Yeah. But it, it lunchtime was fun. Sucked. I do not miss those whatsoever. <laughs> like, my mom was talking so- about going to them, you know, ever so often when I talked to her, she's like, we got our assembly coming up. And I'm the only thing is like, I do not miss that whatsoever. Like, I really don't miss anything. I miss certain people because they were nice people. But other than that, I don't miss a single thing. I like having free time because in the end, like, Jehovah's Witnesses, for people that don't know anything about them, they prioritize God, Jehovah. That's that's priority. People don't go to college, really. People don't really, like, they barely get by sometimes because um, they don't have an education for certain skill sets. Um, I remember being in high school, in middle school. So luckily my mom always wanted me to go to college. Um, and I don't know if that was ever a debate between her and my dad, or she always felt that I needed to get higher education. I'm not sure, but I remember I would be in magnet programs and in middle school and I would be swamped in homework. And I would say, I have a lot of homework. Can I stay home from the meeting? And it was usually a no, almost always. No, there were very few times where school took priority but it was basically left up to me to either wake up early in the morning or try to finish it before the meeting or work on it at school somehow yeah um growing up I don't think it was really expected of me um to go to college like just graduate school marry someone and be a housewife um I know I was ditzy or kind of, I don't know if it was ditzy, but I, I'm in my own world and I will bring that world to you if you'd like to join me, but it's going to be weird. So I think everyone just thought of me as like, yeah, she's not going to be someone who's going to go off to college. And when I mentioned it after like I did the, the backwards route, I did get married. I did have kids. I did try the housewife thing. I'm not a good housewife. Sorry not sorry so when I got my when I started going back to school I mean I left DJ I was still in the congregation and I'm going back to school I had people going you know Jehovah will provide God will provide and I'm like I'm not working at McDonald's for 825 for the rest of my life this is not happening so I was discouraged from going to college but I had no other choice I had kids to take care of and I even told myself when I was admitted to St. Leo after I got my AA, I was like, I have no other choice. I am going to be a teacher. And our program started out with 10 students in this education program. And you're not allowed to make a C or below. And every quarter you have to pass a certain teaching certification. So like your general knowledge, then your subject area, professional education. By the, by the time your last quarter is there. And by the time we were done, there were three of us. Three of us graduated out of the 10. But I had no choice. And I kept my kids, you know, my mom helped, you know, with the boys watching them. My mom's foster mom, technically she's my great aunt, kind of helped. And, you know, 
that's how I made it. And I will never, ever regret doing that. So Jehovah's Witnesses can suck it. Yeah. Sorry. There we go. Joined the army, so it's pretty easy for me. <laughs> well, and now, but like, now I do take classes now, which suck. <laughs> That'll be all right. Yeah, it's worth it. I promise you it's so worth it. But even like now, um, I used to defend the witnesses. Like I wasn't a witness. It wasn't my thing. But they're nicest people in the world. And they're they're very knowledgeable about the Bible. And now that I'm a history teacher and I'm getting into it, I love world history and going over ancient civilizations. And I'm doing more research. And I'm like, these fuckers lie to us. They're not giving us the full information. Yeah. You know, because I'm, I'm digging. I'm doing scholarly, you know, notes and articles off of you know, St. Leo's website. And I'm like, wait a minute. The Kingdom Hall, they all, they kind of like manipulate the people as they're the only source for good information. The world out there does not have good information and the devil's lying to you. So when you learn about who wrote the Bible or what, you know, what the scripture means or what the, happened throughout history, it's their version and um, their interpretation of the scriptures. You, you don't seek anything elsewhere because that could, you know, lead you astray and get you to think for yourself. But there's a lot of things that I know now. And I'm like, what the hell? You guys are lying to the, the, the people about a lot of stuff. So I think that education didn't help me in that sense. And I could see why they don't want people to be educated because you will start questioning what you're being taught. Yes. And I know they're just very... They're very contradicting because like, like you were saying, you know, they tell you, you know, you don't need a higher education, you know, put faith in Jehovah. I remember as a teenager, I would tell my mom, you know, when she would try to study with me and stuff. And I'm like, it makes no sense. I was like, how can you put faith in something that you can't see or that you don't really have proof works, you know? And then I would just get, you know, the same generic answer. But when I think about it now as an adult, it's like that still doesn't prove or answer my question. Because realistically, if you put faith in Jehovah, so my mom and my stepdad always had money issues because my stepdad was like laid off and then disability. And that would be that's where a lot of my financial insecurities come from is always hearing, you know, talk about that. Um, or I'd be mindful and I wouldn't ask for money for something because I would hear them talk about like, you know, having to pay the mortgage and everything. But it's like, if you're putting faith in Jehovah, then why do you feel like you need to downsize? You know, because obviously your faith isn't mm -hmm. working because you put faith in something I would think you'd be able to sustain what you have instead of having to you know cut down but then again they would say oh the faith was this job interview but he never got the job type thing so it's very hypocritical and contradicting because it made no sense and that would be the biggest thing is I think I would always say anytime the elders would try to talk to me and ask me about getting baptized and stuff. And I'm like, I don't understand how you guys can talk to an invisible person. 
like for me, I'm expecting right. to, in order for me to believe that there's something that really exists and for me to put faith in it, I'm going to have to go pray. And I'm going to have to go pray and say, like, give me a sign. And by me saying, give me a sign, I mean, you either make $500 appear or a lightning strike right next to me type shit. And nope, that never happened. So, yeah, I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I get that. The only thing that's going to change, that's going to make change in my life is is me. Not me yes. praying to something, hoping that something just falls in my, no, I just have to work for it. Yeah, they, they, the, the organization in themselves, I kind of like, I told mom this the other day and she laughed. Um, my mom's no longer a witness, so I can poke fun at our old lifestyle. But I was like, mom, we are basically free workers for a publishing company. And she goes, wait. And she doesn't laugh at <laughs> I get it. And she's like, yeah, we were. And I go, we paid them for our work. Mm-hmm. And she goes, damn, you're right. So technically when we're, you know, we're handing out these pamphlets for this publishing company, it's a watch track, watchtower and track society. And they're the, um, the organization that publishes everything. And um, yeah, we give donations to them. And we go out on our own dime, our own gas money um, on a Saturday where I'm pretty sure McDonald's would have loved for me to work. Those kind of things, you know? Yeah. So. And then on top of that, but they are the yard maintenance for the Kingdom Hall. You clean the Kingdom Hall. Mm-hmm. Well, you, no big you build afterwards. them, too, if you need one built. I've been to remodel it. Or right now, they're selling a lot of them. I know. That's so crazy. So, like, a good thing about this... Um, when Go ahead. Oh, that I was going to say, when I was in Texas, I, I found the Kingdom Hall, but it wasn't... That Kingdom Hall was up for sale, so I had to find the other Kingdom Hall, which is in a shady town, shady part of town, where they had to lock the doors when the meeting started. So, I don't know if... I think it's a theory... So another good thing about that ex-Jehovah's Witness group that me and Adrian are in is it really makes you like think of the things that people point out because they've done their own research or based off of their experiences. And there's a lot of um, people in their group that are advocating, you know, um, for the children that have been sexually abused um, in the religion and stuff. But someone was saying not too long ago that their theory is that they're selling the kingdom halls to pay for the court fees of the lawsuit of the governing body. And I was like, huh? I mean, it makes sense. Australia has already made laws citing that they're like a predatory group or something. Yeah. I got to like look into it. But yeah, Australia is kind of like, yeah, screw you. Jehovah's Witnesses, yeah, or the organization, um, they've made laws that you can't protect the pedophiles. They, if someone comes to you with a problem like this, you need to report it. And I, I kind of feel like I'm a teacher, and if a student came to me and I either had suspicions or they just straight out told me, it is by law my duty to go report this. Like I could lose my job for it. So I think being held in that position as an elder 
over a congregation. You're their shepherd over this flock. You take care of these people, not protect the, the pedophiles. And I would say I'm fortunate enough never to have an experience like that. But Yeah, no, but it's crazy though too how it could have been so easy because I don't, how old were you when your mom started studying? I want to say I was seven, eight years old. Do you ever remember Maybe not. going door to door with just a brother? Like just you and a brother? When I got when I got older, but it was, I don't know. I, I never, either I was very fortunate to have just decent human beings with me or because I was, I was a, a weird kid. Like I said, I was in my own world and, you know, you can come along with me and join me in my world if you want, but I might touch base with you later, you know? Well, I just- um, I mean, in the sense that, like, realistically, it's so easy for to uh, get a victim, though, when you think about it, because I think my mom, so my mom's very protective, and my mom, you know, she's, she's not as brainwashed as some people, because I know if I, if I were to ever tell my mom, like, so-and-so did this to me, we'd be at the police station right away, like, my mom does not care. That's one of the things, you know, about her that differs from more extreme witnesses is, you know, she believes in going to the doctor. She believed in me getting a higher education. And if any harm were to come to me or my sister, like you can bet your ass that law enforcement's going to be involved. She's not going to go to some people. Um, but like to think about it, I want to say maybe I'm not really sure if it happened really when I was younger, but I know like, as I got older, I would go door to door with just me and a brother, like an elder. And I mean, realistically, some people trust these other people so much that, you know, they don't think anything of it Yeah, and let kids go at a younger age. So it's, it's like so easy because there's like that false sense of, you know, someone. Um, oh yeah. That security, that trusting. Um, yeah. I, I get it, but I never, I think the only thing strange thing was, was when I was 18 and I fornicated with my high school sweetheart and they found out about it. They didn't disfellowship me though, but they, they did ask like weird questions and like we just had sex. Like to me, even then sex wasn't this like, Oh my God, terrible thing. It was just sex. I don't know. It's something that human beings and all creatures do. So what, but, and I, you know, they didn't just fellowship me, but they did ask questions. They wanted details, which is really weird. Yeah. Cause a lot of people, like, how'd you do it? How long did it last? dude, we're 18 years old. It was probably like five minutes. What the fuck? You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. So, oh, sorry. That was the only strange encounter with the brothers, but I never was in a weird position. Um, no. I would do, in Tennessee, there was um, one time going out in service and like, all the bros were having their bro time and they were going to come together. And this one guy was like, I'll take them. 
and Kenny was his name. I can't remember his last name, but brother Kenny immediately kind of like looked over to the other brother that was doing the meeting the before service meeting says, I'll go too. And that's when it clicked that this one older brother, he wanted to hang out with all the boys had a history, you know, something quite wasn't quite right there. Something was a little off. Mm-hmm. So I know the other brothers, you know, yeah, you're in this congregation, you have a history of doing some strange stuff. So um, I'm coming too. But it wasn't like they ignored the situation. I don't know. Just let them run off with kids again. But I, I think if there's a pedophile among you, I don't know. I'm kind of if you're a pedophile. Someone's a pedophile. I don't think they automatically just change in all the air of their ways. There's always that weird behavior in them, opportunistic behaviors, and you don't get to be in society anymore. Yeah. I said my piece. I said my piece. Yeah, but I mean, that's just, there's so much <laughs> about being a Jehovah's Witness. It's insane. It's oh, yeah. insane. I, think, I try to explain to people now that when it clicks, I, I do have a hard time making friends because I feel like friendship was always conditional. Like I'd be your friend no matter what, but the second I've done something wrong, you know, you're not supposed to be my friend anymore, or I'm not good association until I am a good association. You're not supposed to hang out with me, those kind of things. Um, so I'm very leery of people that are my friends. I don't yeah. know. I want to trust, but then I think maybe I'm going to get annoying to people other than <laughs> I don't want to be annoying. But. I think I'm the opposite. I make friends super easy. Well, not like I don't like going like initiating it, but I like I'll be friends with anyone. I don't really care if we even have a lot in common or not. Like if I like you as a person, I like you as a person. But that gives me a false sense of um, because like realistically, I have like all these friends. But in the end, I really only talk to like five people. And even then, as life goes on, I feel like I hardly talk to them anymore. So I feel like very alone a lot of times, which is kind of very depressing. And I feel like it's because of how being raised was because I felt isolated a lot. And then my one friend, Brittany, um, she came along and she was a chose witness, but she was just like me. But then she passed away in a car accident. And that was another thing that pissed me off. Brittany was disfellowshipped. She was disfellowshipped before she was 18. And so, like Adrian said before, if you're a minor and you're disfellowshipped, it's a little bit weird. But basically for people that are disfellowshipped uh, and for them to repent and to try to get reinstated, and Brittany didn't really have a choice because she wasn't 18 and she was still living on her parents' roof, you know, So she would be forced to go to the meeting still, but she would show up basically after the opening song and sit down and leave before the meeting ended. Um, And so I would sneak off and talk to her and secretly meet up with her and stuff like that. And so when she turned 18, her parents were like, you got, you know, X amount of time to get out of her house. And she did. And I was always there for her. And I remember when she was in the hospital after the car accident 
and she was in a coma and stuff. And all these people came out of the woodwork, like the elders and her parents. Like I would talk to Brittany and I loved her parents and Brittany and her dad were super close. And so I know it hurt everything that happened hurt him the most, but you know, they still kept their distance because, you know, you're not supposed to talk to someone that's disfellowshipped and Brittany had no intentions on going back. So they would check in like, let's say like about maybe quarterly. Um, I think maybe her dad kind of talked to her more on a monthly basis though. Um, but like, I remember, you know, I was off in the army and I was actually home on leave when she got into the car accident. And so I rushed, my mom drove me to the hospital and I remember being in the waiting room and seeing all these elders come up and I was just so angry because I'm like, where the fuck were you people at like the past like five years? Like, don't say like, oh, you know, this and that and she's fine and we care for her because you people don't care for people because you isolate them. Once they do something wrong and they don't stick to your ideology and they want to be individuals and they want to make their own choices for themselves if they don't line up with what you're teaching, you don't talk to them anymore. And it was so annoying because when she died, a lot of the girls in that group, you know, were like, oh, my friend died. And I'm like, you, no, 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 no. You were not friends. When you would run into her, she would tell me when she would run into them in stores and stuff, they would like just like awkwardly say hi or head the other direction or pretend they didn't see her. You know, yeah, I've I've, I've had that happen. Mm -hmm. And it's like ridiculous. It's like, how can you people even say that? How can you people say, oh, my friend died? Like, you haven't talked to her in the past few years. It's like, that had to be hard. Yeah, that had to be difficult to bite your tongue and be like, you know, you can't say it. But I was too stricken yeah. with grief to really say anything because I was just a mess. I remember and it was hard and you just the gamut of emotions that you had to be going through. I just, yeah, I, it is, it's to shun somebody that's, that's cruel. That is not love in anywhere. And nowhere in the Bible does it say to shun people. Really? They welcome the prodigal son back. Yeah, there's no shunning. Oh. There is no shunning. So for those listening, Adrian knows more about Jehovah's Witnesses than I do, and I was raised in it for 18 years because I never paid attention. She was, but I would doodle in my book. But I was wrapped up. I was wrapped up in this shit, man. I thought I had it, and but like I said, I always, when I was married, I'd always get in trouble for questioning my husband's authority it's my ex-husband not my husband now my husband now is amazing and wonderful and i would because i'm better with finance or i would question whatever crazy thing that he had going on in his head and i wasn't wifey wife material enough i don't know but dj would go and bitch to the elders and i would go sit down with the elders and be reminded that i am his wife and his helper and bullshit and more bullshit and then I would ask questions about um the bible itself or 
certain things about the world, very intellectual questions. But say this, and why does it mean that? And heaven forbid that I would question the organization. So I think they're very leery of me and watchful of me. So, yeah. Yeah, I was in trouble. I forgot where I was going with that. I just want to go beat a witness up now. Not really. I can only imagine like what it, well, it, it started because I said, you know more. Cause you were, you said you were all in and me, I was just never like, I there hate sitting here. I hate getting dressed up. I don't understand what they're talking about. All these people are either dead or imaginary. Like I just picked up weird habits. Like I'm there just going to imaginary people that they talk about. Yeah, there you go. I'm just going to highlight every word, every word that has a Z in it. And I'm going to color in every O. And then I'm going to go above and beyond. And then I'm going to connect every word, every O on the page. Or count the ceiling tiles over and over and over again. I'd always lose count. But no, I think uh, I will tell you that there are more imaginary people that they talk about than literal people. Um, but that'll be another a day where I have all my documents together and we can totally bash the Bible together. Not in a bad way. Okay, we won't bash it. We will we'll just clarify some De- historical inaccuracies in the Bible. Debunk it. How's that? You mean debunk it? Basically? Debunk it. Not all of it. I mean, I'm pretty sure whoever wrote the first five books and Moses supposedly said the earth was a sphere upon nothing. Those kind of things. I um I will tell you this really cool story because I know we kind of we've gone over our time that we usually get a lot. But um, oh no, so we're there's going no, over. There's no time limit. Oh, we can go as long. Oh, let's get this started. <laughs> so in my classroom, we're going over the Book of Gilgamesh, which is um an epic uh, story by Mesopotamia. Way ancient, before Moses, before, you know, biblical stories came about. It's one of the first written masterpieces. And in this story, it does. It talks about a great flood. The um, There's a fruit that gives you everlasting life. There's a, a plant or a fruit. And there's a man who survived the great flood who has all this wisdom that he's, this Gilgamesh is seeking to find. And I'm going, damn, this sounds a lot like the Bible. So in between classes, I'm talking to another teacher. And I have a lot of respect for this teacher, um, but he's like, oh, yeah, but the Bible was written before. And I'm like, I don't think so. Let me look this up. So I went and looked this up. The book, the Epic of Gilgamesh was written over 400 years before the first book of the Bible was ever written, which, by the way, was Job, not Genesis. Um, The book of Job. So it was just like. And I went back out and I told him, like, no, 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 this book was written before. And, oh, well, you know, a lot of um, people have the same stories throughout history. I'm like, yeah, but isn't this amazing? Like, this is, you know, all these things that come up and they kind of like brush it under the rug. And I get so into that. Um, We did one on the Egyptians and their slaves had these rights. And it's written down about how well they treated their slaves. Not great. Slaves are so bad, you know. And then you, we did the um, Moses's account in Exodus about how they were treated as slaves. And um, spoiler alert: the Egyptians don't have any records of ha- having Israelites as slaves. Just gonna put that out there. 
So um, that was another thing I found absolutely fascinating was that we have this Bible and these stories about these Israelites being enslaved in Egypt and all these movies. And um, there's no evidence of it, historically speaking, other than the book of Huh. So, oh, oh, and we only assume that Moses wrote those first five books. There's no record of Moses either. Yeah, so, See, that's all. That's all you because you paid attention to stuff and you like history. <laughs> so, I love it. You're good it's at like finding a, that stuff. It's it's a great mystery, like. What what's the movie with Nicolas Cage? I like the movie, but I can't remember the name. National Treasure or something like that. National Treasure, yes. So he's trying the document, the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, yeah, it's National Treasure. The breakup letter, yeah, our breakup letter to King George. Uh, no. Oh, I could have a field day with that one too, but I digress. Holy, <laughs> I get all excited about history. My students think I'm crazy. I did that in the classroom the other day. I'm teaching summer school. And I got all excited about telling them about the cool facts about Florida. And the kids are looking at me like, what the fuck, lady? If you live in Florida, it's just Florida. I'm like, no, no, no. If you look at it this way and you look at the latitude and longitude lines of where we're at in the rest of the world, I'm swear, I swear they think I'm crazy. But I'm not. I promise. You're just passionate. I am very passionate about the globe. Damn it. Look at the damn globe. Man. No. I know. Like I said, I can basically tell you, we don't celebrate holidays. Uh, Most, especially like Halloween, they say it's pagan origins, so that's like bad, and that's why we don't do that. (laughs) Everything we do has pagan or but they're very they're not even specific about like it could be like a non-jehovah's witness thing it doesn't necessarily have to be a pagan um um apparently jesus was born in like the fall time so christmas is not that's why christmas isn't even allowed it's it's not even the right birthday so but then again we can't even celebrate our own birthday so i don't fucking know (laughs) It, it, there's nothing explicitly telling us not to celebrate birthdays either. I just think the the anointed body just didn't want us to have any fun. Um, I mean, they do mention what was our excuse for birthdays? Yeah, there's two Bible stories about birthdays and something bad happened in each of them. So that's God's message of telling us not to celebrate birthdays. Yeah, but yeah, he makes us older yes. every year. So guess you can't celebrate it. Guess they don't see it. As can't a good celebrate thing. the. So. Oh, I'm gonna be that 80 year old woman bragging that I'm 80. I know I'm the same. It sucks because, like, for me, I mean, granted, I got to celebrate things with my dad, but it was always like, okay, so I would get Christmas presents, but I would get them like the day after or like the day before Christmas Eve or you mm-hmm. know, things like that. But it sucks because. I'm, I know you're the same way. I'm like a kid at heart now. Like I, I, I yearn to do holidays like over the top and to like make birthday parties over the top, but I don't really, I don't get that still. (laughs) 
because it's really only oh, me I've gotten in the so much better that likes to do that. And um, it sucks, you know, when we don't have, you know, Anne-Marie, because at least when we have Anne-Marie, then I get really excited for Christmas. And I try to do my little thing and whatnot to make it because I'm making it good for her, but also inside. It's also for me because I'm super excited and I feel like I have an excuse because just me doing it for myself, it's not as enjoyable. It's nice to have someone else that's excited. Um, Oh, I love Thanksgiving with you. So when I had Thanksgiving at your house, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. It was just the small, small little group. But that's the thing also, I I really want to do like, like a Friendsgiving and like we did one with our neighbors this year and like, I loved it. It was kind of a little bit ruined just because I found out that the movers stole my mixer that you bought me. Yeah. I found out on Thanksgiving when I was like, I'll make mashed potatoes. And I went and grabbed the mixer, the container, and it's gone. And so I'm like, these motherfuckers, who steals a cheap handheld little mixer? Like, it's not a KitchenAid. Like, go. I'm so mad. And I was like, I'm making mashed potatoes. And I don't have a mixer. So they're not going to be all light and, like, whippy. Fluffy. Now I got to mash them by hand. And they weren't as good or light and airy. I was so mad. And it, like, ruined on the inside. I was was so pissed off. Like, Matthew felt so bad. He gave in. He had, like, got me as he ordered me something online. But he was waiting for me to get it. But because I was so upset, he was like, well, I'll tell you what I ordered you. (laughs) To put me in a better mood. I was like, okay. <laughs> it helps a little bit, but it's not here now. Oh, I was so mad. Aww. I was just like, out of all the things to steal, they stole my longboard too. I haven't found that at all. I was I was pissed. I was like, they stole the most random shit. Well, they they thought it was nice. I'm sorry, but they, you know opportunity took place i guess i'm not giving them an excuse i'm not excusing them thieving no it it happens it happens every military move that's the only thing that i hate is you can't pack up your own stuff and like load it up and send it off to get shipped people have to do it and then they take it from there and it's like you don't know what's happening with your stuff people get their stuff broken all that fun stuff frustrating but that would suck. Yeah. So I will say that I do go all out for the holidays. Um, Halloween is one of our favorites. We go down um, since we're kind of isolated in our neighborhood. You don't walk down the street in our neighborhood. You might meet a meth head. And I think it's scarier than Halloween. Um, we go to um, a nice neighborhood down the road and they're fantastic. Like everyone's happy to see everybody and it's, cute and it's their, your typical halloween and my yard's decorated for halloween and thanksgiving we have a gigantic turkey that goes out in the front yard christmas we have the all the inflatable stuff and christmas tree dustin likes a real christmas tree we have one of those and we decorate it and it's a tacky tree because nothing matches and that's okay with me oh yeah and yeah and it's right after thanksgiving the boys come home from their dad's 
this year. Yeah, this year they're going to their dad's. So they come home from their dad's, and then right when they get home, it's Christmas tree, it's up, it's decorated. And the lights stay on forever until after New Year's. And that's the rule. See, Matthew had to get on to me <laughs> because literally I kept our Christmas tree up and then he made me, I think he took it down actually in July <laughs> that I was like, but it's Christmas in July. And I was like, and then what's the point? December's right. I had it up <laughs> for months after. And I'm like, it's just, just so it up. pretty. Yeah. I don't. I like the lights. I would just ever so often when I sit down the stairs, watch TV by myself, I plug it in because, I mean, I'm a simple person. I like pretty lights and I like glitter and shiny stuff. And it's just so calming. I would just like plug it in and watch TV and like stare at it, you know, and then unplug it when I go upstairs because when I lived in the barracks by myself, I bought like Christmas lights and I outlined my window in them. So I would like fall asleep to them and stuff. And that was like my way of being festive for the holidays because I think that's another thing that sucks with the military is because like what I crave, like the closeness and like family and memories and stuff for the holidays, I don't really get that also because I'm not really around. Cause I want like that big family feeling. So like, I'm not ever really around you for that. Cause I know I could get that with you or, you know, your mom and stuff like that. I'm always, it's just us two, unless we have Anne Marie. Um, or if we actually talk to like our neighbors or something. So when I do stuff yeah. for myself, I'll keep it up the whole entire time. Cause it's like calming and it's like my way of, yeah enjoying things but yeah i had that bitch up till july (laughs) and i think he took it when we're able like when we're able to able to get back to the states um or forever able to travel out of the united states again um yeah we'll definitely have a big christmas and hopefully the house will have the new house and we'll have room yeah oh my gosh that's why I liked uh, yeah. Thanksgiving at Uncle Terry's that one time. I absolutely loved it. Well, actually, I loved Thanksgiving time with our family anyway, because that was one of the holidays my dad always had me, it seemed like. And then, of course, we would always meet up with you guys or Uncle Terry or all of us. And it was just always Those are good times. Fun. It was much simpler times. I don't know. That, that'll be another story of our crazy family. And like just some like not too many dark secrets, you know, we don't want to upset anybody, but it was we all got along. Now it's just like me and you. Oh, yeah, because a lot of them are nut jobs now. Cousin wise, cousin wise, cousin wise. Yeah. Our aunt, well, your aunt and my uncles are nut jobs in their own right. So. Mm. Yeah. Not a bad thing. We just we we don't try to hide it. I wish I right. would though. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Miranda. I am gonna go be mom. All right. I've got to work in the morning. All right. Love you too, and thanks everyone yeah. for tuning in. Yes. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Good night.